0: All right. Uh, this is Ryan and Osmond coming at you with behind the screens, where we discuss our previous episode and give some advice uh, based all, on that.
1: All the all the the fuckery that was going around.
0: Episode one wasn't a lot of fuckery, although our, our real episode one absolutely was. But unfortunately, that that's but for Four ears only. <laughs> that's in the that's in the secret
1: vault. No one we're here.
0: I think that's probably for the best. Yeah, we had a, an audio fuck-up with that, but I think it was mostly to give, like, you, Megan, and James just kind of, like, get your feet wet, here's what D&D is. So there's not mm-hmm. a whole lot that was going to miss out on from that.
1: Get a little, a little wet behind the ear, getting ready yeah. for the session.
0: So, so so the actual episode one that we dropped recently, um, in this, you guys were introduced to basically the plot... Um, going through battling warlord to warlord um what were your thoughts Um, as a as a player
1: that first experienced this as a whole um i would say it was a little bit overwhelming at first um and the reason why is because when starting off you have like all these like cast like you have your basic cast but then you're like oh am i using this properly so um as a player for my first experience going through the warlords i progressively felt like myself and the group as a whole was getting better um just because like each you know warlord you knew i like i personally knew what i was doing more and more and like everyone else in the group did so when casting like an Elders blast or you know zoning out the place and saying, Oh, are we going to do this? Oh, are we going to do that? Oh, maybe we shouldn't hit this guy. Maybe he's too strong, you know?
0: That um let's, would... let's start with just the the episode one versus Pegasus, which by the way, I can't believe I didn't realize you guys would turn them into bronies. <laughs> no, I based them all around like mythical horses, but it mm. did not strike me until I think Megan pointed it out that like these were clearly bronies.
1: Oh, Oh, one hundred percent, big facts. Like, there's, there's no way they weren't.
0: So, oh. um, from from like a DM perspective, the entire point of this fight was one to make it, like, now that it's over, I can tell you, like, you guys letting Pegasus live will help you in a future session. Um. Mm-hmm. Like, also to kind of inform you guys that you don't have to kill every single person that you run into. Like, you can fight and spare somebody. Um, and also the mechanic with the ceiling getting ready to collapse as he destroyed pillars. Um, did that do anything for you as far as, like, the ticking clock? The, oh man, there's four pillars, he took out one. You know, we have to yeah. hurry. Did that, did that act as intended?
1: Um, it, it did because you know what it was like, like you brought up before, um, everything in this, what I've noticed for like the game as like D&D as a whole is it's kind of like time-based and it's very like, okay, make sure like whatever decisions you do now, it's going to affect you going forward. So I feel like with the pillar, it was like one of those things like, okay, if we destroy this, right, what's the after, like the after effects on this, right? With, is a possible teammate going to get killed by it, you know, if randomly crashing
0: that choice out of your hands and like growing huge and smashing them
1: um well i i think for the most part i i'd say like for pegasus like sitting there and saying like okay it it definitely did give a sense of like urgency i will say that you know like because it's like okay we have to make a decision but we have to make a decision that makes sense Right? Because right. like you said, like you said before, you know, in the beginning when we started playing, we were just like, okay, let's just kill everybody. Hey, is that a gardener? Let's just kill that guy.
0: You know, that's oh, not I, like... I not- did think you guys played well as far as like, let's go after the clear boss. I kind mm-hmm. of, maybe, um, metagaming the metagaming, I thought that... would say like, hey, you know, their party is balanced between like, their warrior their healer and their ranged character let's go after the healer first but you guys went right for the prince uh, i think took him down pretty quick i mean you guys did a lot more damage i did a playthrough of this campaign with a separate group and they had a lot more trouble on this so i think yeah those characters are just a little better built for combat
1: yeah, and I feel like we, we really, like, balance off each other very well. And I feel like that's, like, something that's really awesome about that fight was just, like, there wasn't, like, counterbalances. Like, if, like basically, like, there wasn't anything, like, I personally felt like, oh, Jazzy Jaw did this, and that threw me off because now I'm casting this, or I'm in a bad spot, so I, I gotta, like, you know, one of my teammates has to heal instead of, like, attacking, you know, and do yes I mean,
0: him casting Sleep on Chomper.
1: Oh well, yeah, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit of a wrench
0: in the thing. But that, well, again, you got, that was before. You got
1: troll. I mean, oh, right, you gotta people, <laughs> especially your teammates. But yeah, but but other than that, though, I mean, I definitely felt like we were kind of like looking at it as just like, okay, we could mess with the healer here, but then like we have got the big bad boss. So like. We have to like kind of like prioritize. Okay, who's like the most important person here? And if we take out the healer, is that really gonna cripple the guy? And like for us, right. that's why that's where our order of business went. It went like, okay, if we take this person out, is it gonna like really hurt him? Hurt him? So yeah, that definitely was like our our thought process when we were like doing that session. It Was just like, okay, you know what, you guys, let's go in. Let's go after this guy specifically because you know they're going at the rest of everyone else is kind of like gonna be a waste of time
0: at least for that specific right. like boss well, fight. and and as far as like I, I know this this is definitely not nick's first game but as far as like you megan james this is really your first 5e boss fight so i wanted to make it like fairly climactic like mm-hmm. so so a you know kind of a nerd who gets huge and then is able to like bring down the building on top of you guys the mm-hmm. the goal was just the spectacle of this more than anything else. I mean, you guys cleared it way quicker than I would have thought you would have, but I think overall as far as this goes like it was like you guys cleaned up. So, I yeah, mean, in the future for think... me there's there's going to be that question of like, okay, knowing that this party is I would say leaps and bounds stronger than the first party that I ran through this with. I'll need to kind of recalibrate the the bad guys essentially
1: so normally for you i guess my thing would be um so based on like sessions and like experience too um is that how you like you know calibrate like the bosses and everything like you'd go in and like if you had to give advice for somebody like hosting you know for example and writing a session um do you you would you recommend like basing things off of people's experiences to like for their like boss fights and stuff
0: um, yes and no. there there are plenty of like calculators for encounter size. Like if I have four adventurers, they're level two, um, here's the challenge rating of enemies that they can handle. And mm-hmm. I think for for me who I like to homebrew stuff, I don't think anybody in our group would metagame and I don't think of metagaming as like I'm making the strongest character. I think that's sensible. like you should try to make the strongest character. I think of metagaming as like, oh, we're fighting a red dragon. I know a red dragon has an armor class of 18, has low dexterity, has whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I know the animal we're fighting, and I know how best to beat it. That, to me, is metagaming. To make it not even a problem. um, This one, less so, because um, Pegasus was based on a dark dwarf, which, like, has the ability to grow. But a Mm -hmm. lot of the special abilities i kind of almost homebrew a little bit so that there's no ability to do that it's not like oh um maybe like a character like this is normally a werewolf but i'm making it like a pro wrestler and in the case of a lot of these where it's like most of the enemies you guys are going to face are pro wrestler themed but like based on real things that exist it just makes metagaming that much Less worth it. And then it's, it's more fun. It's it's all unique. I mean, to you guys, this is all new mm-hmm. regardless.
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. And then, well, <laughs> well let's, let's cut to our second bit here for the day, and then we'll answer a couple more questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, second portion of this behind the screens, we're going to highlight a build for characters, kind of give people who are new to the hobby. I mean, we did the math in the gym, which is terrible because well i guess the the books are around the 45 dollar mark so we were pretty good with it
1: uh, yeah i man. think
0: we came up with like 600 dollars if you want to buy all of the DD source books and that's Ooh, not counting man. yeah and, and then that's not counting modules the like extra shit so, so yeah you're looking at like perks, a thousand yeah. dollar hobby if you're a brand new player which is intimidating not to mention like dollars is another encyclopedia Mm -hmm. so one of the things like the the goal of this mini section is that if you either buy the player's handbook which is like 30 to 50 bucks depending on whether or not you get it on sale um it's one book you really don't have to memorize a whole lot Uh, how can you get the most bang for your buck with just the races and just the classes in the player's handbook there there will be a couple of these where like Maybe we go off script a little bit and you'll need an extra book or two. But for the most part, these builds are solely within the player's handbook. So if you're like you, James and Megan, brand new player, don't know if you're mm-hmm. going to like this, don't want to spend all that money. You still want to be on track with your friends who maybe have spent, you know, a grand on this to, to learn, you know, they what, what they're doing. So we're going to break it down alphabetically by race. We're starting with Dragonborn, which are effectively like magically altered dragon children that walk on their back legs like humans. So think of like a humanoid dragon, but they're hatched from eggs. They're very much like considered weird in normal cultures in D&D. Although I don't know how that's going to change in 6th edition, but for right now, that's sort of like what they are. And like their their features, they get a breath weapon, which can either attack in a straight line or form like a cone of an element. And whatever element their breath weapon is, they resist it, which is huge. Like resistances are a pretty big deal because after a certain point, your armor kind of stops going up. And then resisting damage becomes more and more important. Uh, The other thing about characters is they'll get stat boosts. So for Dragonborn, they get two to their Charisma and one to their Strength. And when you're building a character, you sort of want to play to these boosts. You can make phenomenal characters that go totally off script with the boosts, but for a new player, new character, it's kind of easiest and least overwhelming to kind of build your character based on how they started already. So, for sake of example, with the Dragonborn, probably the Mm -hmm. best pick to go with the stat block to go with the benefits that they get would be a Paladin. Uh, You get Charisma for your spells. You get Strength for hand-to-hand combat. Resistances are great because Paladins are a tanky class. You don't get a whole lot of ranged uh, attacks with a Paladin. So, having your Breath weapon is great. You also don't get a lot of elemental attacks. So, if you choose a Paladin, like... You might get some fire with your, like, um, you get a lot of holy powers, but, like, ice you don't see a lot of, like, acid you don't see a lot of. So if you find something that resists what you're dishing out, like, this breath weapon can give you an alternate way of attacking. Plus, you know, with both both stat increases helping your build, you've already got a little bit more of a a boost than another player who would be playing a paladin. Okay. Okay. Uh,
1: and, and and the good part. And the good part is, is like like you said, it would be like more easier for a player too, like who's brand spanking new. Like right. it, it, this, it'll this, make this them feel is definitely
0: not advice for veteran D and D players who are like, oh yeah, I already I've played three Dragonborn paladins already. Let me tell you, yeah, you could do other things, but like for the brand new player, paladin would be like the A one. Um, probably second place would be barbarian. Uh, Mm -hmm. When you Rage as a Barbarian, you uh, resist all physical damage. So on top of physical damage resistances, you get one elemental resistance. Uh, Strength boost is going to help you with weaponry. Charisma is going to help you with intimidation checks. You don't get much range. You don't get much AoE. So the breath weapon is going to help you there. But Mm -hmm. the main thing about the Barbarian is... Image resistance to everything that's not magical plus one elemental resistance is going to make you really tanky. Um, and then a lot of barbarian abilities make it really difficult to kill you. So you just stay on the battlefield. And just a pretty much absorbing everything, yeah. So, yeah, okay. And I believe if you choose... I'm, I'm not sure if it's in the player's handbook or not, but there is, I believe, the Totem Barbarian, which allows one of the totems gives you the ability to resist all damage except Psychic. Uh, It just, you can be as tanky as you want. Um, You can be one of those kind of strong, silent types. You get that intimidation check, so nobody wants to fight you, but then if they do, they can't hurt you. It makes you a very physically tough character.
1: Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, it's pretty good, too, like, especially, like, and the person's going to sit there and say, okay, you know what, I'll just tank this, and I'll let somebody else like do the DPSA.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, third and final, probably not the best, but still workable. I would say Warlock. Um, I've seen a lot of builds suggest Dragonborn Sorcerers, because you can use their elemental resistance and their breath weapon to give yourself a specific elemental build, but... That's kind of complicated for new players, and it wastes the strength boost. So for me, I would say Warlock, because Warlocks get a handful of spells. So you get that Charisma boost for casting the spells. And then once you're out of spell slots, you get that backup strength, and you get your Breath Weapon. Uh, it helps you with your limited spells, it helps you attack, so it makes you a really nice all round character. Plus, resistances are always nice for squishier classes that... Can't do a whole lot of damage. Okay, okay. Uh, I mean, I'm stooping the comments, I guess. Explain to me why I'm wrong and that Sorcerer's better. Uh, but in my opinion, if you're a brand new player, you want to try out a Dragonborn, those three would be your best bets.
1: Okay, and, and you would also say in terms of, like, difficulty as well, this is like... um, You would say... Beginner low intermittent, intermediate if, if if you want to get a little bit complicated and you start to like get a feel for it like maybe as a second session is that as fair as say? say?
0: No I mean this is something you could do right out the gate like this is if you're building a character for the first time and all you have in front of you is the player's handbook and you're confused you don't know what to do these would be like if, if you're looking at Dragonborn saying oh that's cool it, you know it's Dungeons and Dragons let me play as a dragon thing these are mm-hmm. the classes I would recommend because
1: well, thing Well, because well, my thing is this, um, if the person, like, let's say they get comfortable um, after, like, the first, like, you know, campaign and they want to go to the second campaign. So my question um, for that would be, like, if they get a little bit more confidence, like, even though it is, like, a basic thing they could do right out the game, could they, like, make it more complicated as time goes on? Like, even though it is, like, easier to, like, build... But they can say to the, themselves. The hey, wonderful want-
0: thing about Dungeons and Dragons is you can always make it more complicated. Um mm-hmm. you can always multi class. You can decide, oh yeah, I'm gonna go Barbarian for a couple levels and then fighter for a couple, and then you know, rogue for a couple you could do whatever you want to make it more complicated. This is mm-hmm. just like bare bones minimum. I wanna try this class but I don't know where to start. Or I wanna try this race, but I don't know where to start. Like and the- And the person doesn't have the
1: confidence yet,
0: yeah. Yeah, the the most basic level of character building. And and yeah, of course, once you've played a game or two and you understand, you started looking at stuff online and finding better builds, there's definitely better builds out there, but as far as, like, staying competent, staying up with the team that you're playing with, like, these are the easiest ways to stay there and not have to, like, immerse yourself in Dungeons & Dragons. Like, it's, it's something where there's just such a wealth of material. It would be the equivalent of like having never watched a Star Wars movie and then like getting put into Star Wars trivia. Like there's just so much you can bombard somebody with that it's, it's almost a turn off. So I think having. And like it's a overwhelming. Very, yeah. Right. This is this getting your feet wet. Here's. Roll with this until you figure out what to do yourself.
1: Mm, true. Very true.
0: Um, but so, our, our last bit, uh, questions from DMs, and I think it would be fun if we had you, Osman, answer as somebody who has played, what, like, a handful of D&D sessions? Yep. Because I'm just curious what your thought process would be with this, and then I'll answer uh, kind of how I've handled these things in the past. Okay. So, our first question is... Um, how do you come up with magic items that won't overpower your characters?
1: Okay. um, I guess for me, um, my thought process wasn't really like making this um, weapon like too OP. I just thought to myself, hey, what would be like, just as a new player, what would be like a cool weapon? So I said to myself, oh, let me get... Um, something that would like match kind of like the play style of the character and kind of like the look of it so i was just like oh well you know let me build this
0: you know so then um i, I this guess is more from the perspective of like a dm like say you're running a session
1: oh i see okay I,
0: I think I can extrapolate on the question just enough to say like you've got three characters that are playing and they're maybe like like you guys for example you were powerful enough to get through this first fight with minimal casualties um so so i want to reward you guys for good play but i don't want to overpower you guys like if i give you like all of a sudden you've got like a plus one sword now maybe you guys are even stronger and i already have to dial up the power on the bad guys so something to give you guys to reward you for good gameplay but not break the game
1: oh i see Uh um so, and, and this would be, like, from the perspective of, like, if I was hosting the game, correct? Correct. Right. Um, if I were to do that, I would... I would... I guess I would base it off of, like, the experience, going back to that again, and then saying to myself, okay, is this limited enough? Like, for example, if I'm if I'm giving someone a dagger, and I'm saying this, so okay, this dagger has, like, some type of poison effect on it. Um, the, whatever bosses that i'm gonna come up with um i want them to be resistance but i don't want them to be like you know fully like op strong you know because at the same time like um based on what i've seen like for you handling the campaigns every single session that we've been having has been fun so i guess if i was like to, if i were to give the weapon i would make sure like it does have an effect on it but i don't want it to be over overtune but at the same time i would want to be cautious and i would want to say okay Is everyone having fun, though? Because the one thing I feel like would be super boring is if someone's just like, oh, I got this new shiny weapon that does, like, a poison effect and this, that, and the third and adds part of my charisma and this. But then later they're like, hey, why is this boss so tanky? You know? So I guess that's how I would personally handle it. Like, I would gauge it based off of, like, okay, um, is
0: everyone having fun? But
1: then is everyone else steamrolling this with their new, like, weapon as well?
0: That's fair. I'm Like, there's no wrong answers and it's totally unfair for me. To ask you DM questions as somebody who's never DM'd before. I was just curious as to your answer. Um,
1: oh, oh, you're good, you're good. But that's so, how I would handle it, like, just with those, like, combination effects of, like, all that.
0: I, I do like that, because it's very much in the style of how you would run things, which is basically troll everybody. So, I, <laughs> I like it. Um, what I would probably do... Um, Come up with stuff, like, for for sake of example, if you're coming up with magic items, a lot of things that I do, like, this will come up later. Uh, I made a table for character buffs based around Zodiac signs. And it's like, mm. every so often, characters get more powerful. That happens. But yeah, th- I believe for the specific question, it's how do you make rewards that don't power the characters up? And I think one of the best ways to do that is give cosmetic upgrades to items that they already have so like the purpose of a shield in dungeons and dragons is you get plus one to your armor class Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: that's it so if i tell you yeah there's a shield on the ground it's worth five gold like five gold is not exciting nobody cares about this shield except like okay cool i'll throw it in the loot pile so we can sell it at the next city you're not really rewarding them but if you go with some sort of like general cosmetic upgrade to this boring item. Like, for for sake of example, if you guys kill a boss and I say there's a shield on the ground, okay, who mm-hmm. cares? But if I say, yeah. hey guys, notice glimmering shield on the ground, it appears to be vaguely magical. Now, let's say James, because I think his magic shit is the highest. Rolls uh, high enough arcana check. It's like, yeah, when this shield gets struck, it moans. You guys are going to kill each other to own that shield because, I mean, you've got to be the DM also that's willing to like, yes, as the dragonborn cleric smacks down upon you with his mace, you reach up with your shield and block the blow. As the mace clangs across your shield, you hear, oh, senpai. (laughs) You have to be the guy that wants to do that. But like those kind of things make the game fun. Like you you enjoy shit like that. But it's also, yeah, this is a plus one shield. It just you have to make a stupid voice. Yeah, yeah. Really, I definitely feel you on that. Presenting them too. with the same exact loot. Like one simple stupid thing that you add to it makes it attractive to the characters. To to the players.
1: So it's fair to say then, presentation, right?
0: I I would say rule of cool works both ways.
1: Hmm, okay, okay.
0: Alright, that's going to be it for our mini-episode. Thanks to everybody for sticking with us, and thanks to Oz for doing the sound mixing and co-hosting. Stay tuned. In about two weeks, we'll drop our next episode.